Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment and your host of Media Mavis Podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Marjorie DeHay, General Partner for NTech Law. Hi, Marjorie. Hey, Sarah. Great to be on today. I know. I feel like I haven't done a podcast with you in a while. So I'm super excited to have you on today for so many reasons. But I, I want to chat a little bit about filmmaking today. And I'm super excited to have our guest on. So I want to bring Tom on. We have Tom Bentley, filmmaker, actor, founder of Suburbanite Productions. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, Sarah. So glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. And welcome, Marjorie. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. It's Great just, to have you. I, okay, so I love having this podcast with you because like Marjorie is my co-host. We're always on so many podcasts from Media Mavens. I love being on your podcast a week or two ago. And what I love, because I feel like I was interviewing you on your own podcast, was that you're a filmmaker and an actor. And what we started chatting about is there's so many people who, you know, for like attorneys, production people, but they're diving into the filmmaking on the side and we have streaming of so much going on. And I love that Marjorie DeHay is also in the producer filmmaking genre as well on the side. So I thought it was a really good time to get everybody on the podcast to talk about you, what you're doing and how we are pivoting over into the filmmaking side. Now that we have more options of technology since we've been at home with COVID the past few years, but you're an actor. Tell us what's going on with you. Sure. So just a little history of myself. I started acting about 20 years ago when I graduated from Rutgers College in New York, and I did a bunch of off-Broadway plays. I did independent film, and there was a little bit of a scene going on there, but I wanted to take more control over my career. So I went to the new school in the West Village, and I learned filmmaking, and I made a thesis film, a feature film, and it was called At the Jersey Shore. And it actually was quite successful for an independent film. It, it premiered at the 2011 Sonoma Film Festival. It was at the Montclair Film Festival, Garden State Film Festival. It got distribution globally in 2012. And I got a lot of great press on it. I was on New York television, New Jersey television. And we were able to kind of tap into the phenomenon that was the Jersey Shore. So I didn't know that Jersey Shore, the MTV show, was going to be in the same clubs that I was filming in. But they were. And my, I have a solid film independent of that. But we were really able to garner a lot of publicity because of that. And it was just an amazing experience. I learned so much about the craft of filmmaking and acting. And I wanted to translate that to a skill set that could support me. And a few years after that, I started doing marketing videos for small businesses, restaurants, bars, dentists, doctors, lawyers. And from there, I, I grew and I, I started doing some really big corporate stuff for pharmaceutical companies, tech companies, distribution companies. And that has been successful. And I'm continuing with that. But uh, why I'm here today is because we're talking about what's going on with this new digital revolution. So when I started independent filmmaking 10 years ago, it was really just about making a film, get, going to a film festival and get distribution. But now because we have all these different outlets, I'm really interested in creating a series, a, a content for Netflix, for Hulu, for Amazon Prime. And I'm working on several productions that I'm really trying to get distributed. But it's a little bit of a different process. It's, it's about finding 
companies that already have relationships with these platforms, pitching the project to those organizations, and then having them come on board as a co-production. But I, I'm just a huge fan of the serious content. I watch a lot of stuff on Netflix, as a lot of people do, and Hulu and Prime. And I would love to really take the skill set that I have for storytelling and bring it to a series. So currently, I have these three different projects that I'm working on. One of them is called The Cafone. It's a dark comedy about kind of a, a it's a Sopranos meets uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. So it's about Italian-American, um, like really dark characters, but there's a lot of humor in it as well. And Cafone is a like a degenerate in Italian culture. I have another project that I'm working on called The American Benefactor, which is like my very personal project. It's about helping people in need, but it brings in a lot of spiritual elements as well and self-help. And then the other project that I'm working on, which is actually more of the film route, is a project called A Whisper from Within. And this is a really interesting project because a woman contacted me a few years ago and she wanted me to tell her life story through film. She found me on social media and she wanted me and I'm very honored that she did to tell her story in a screenplay and then ultimately a film. And it's about her life where she started as a healthy, happy child. And at 14 years old, she suffered a brain aneurysm and she basically had to learn to live her whole life again, to learn to walk, to talk. And there was a lot of challenges, a lot of struggle, a lot of heartache. But through all that, she was really able to have a meaningful and successful and productive life. And it's a very powerful story. And I'm currently working to get that developed as well. Wow, that's amazing. I just know with, you know, today with digital, with technology, it's so much easier to start doing your films and producing stuff. And we could shoot movies on our iPhones right now, which is insane. And, you know, so I know it, it's easier to shoot, but I think the whole idea of the showrunners and the streaming, everybody wants to move towards streaming just because of, you know, the movies were shut down and everything was struggling to get movies out on Netflix. We all hit that pause button of what we're watching for a while. But I think we kind of embraced more of the streaming digital side. It, you know, is there any, is it Marjorie, I'm going to kind of throw this on you because I know you have done a few films on your own. Is, are there any tips or any like top three or four things for people who want to, create and do their own films that they should be aware of or that they should do? Sure, sure. And I'm, I'm sure Tom's probably going to agree on this. You know, I've talked to a lot of people in the industry and it's it's kind of a just do it. Do something, like put something together that can show your talent because this is kind of a town, unless you have something to show, people aren't going to take you seriously. You have to create something. And because of technology, it's much easier to create. And I think, Tom, because you're an actor, you probably know actors. So it's important to know people, to work with people, to find the good team. So I think that would be the second thing. And I think the third thing for me, and then I'll shoot this to Tom, is just kind of enjoy it. I mean, I love working with people who are passionate about film and like know that it's a craft. I love how you said earlier, Tom, it's a craft, like really learn about film versus people who, you know, are like, hey, I want to do this, but they don't put the time or the energy in to learn the process or learn how to make a film. And, and of course, being on set is the biggest learning lesson ever. So I really just think, go out and make something. How about you, Tom? Any, any suggestions? Yeah, that's some really good advice there. 
Actually, it's funny. I, I'm also an adjunct professor at Montclair State University and I teach film and communications. And one of my former students recently contacted me about wanting to get into film. And I told him basically what you said, like make something, show that you can tell a story and you don't need a big budget to do it in today's age. And it doesn't have to be these crazy action sequences or these elaborate shots or setups, like just show that you know how to tell a story and that you can have an emotional impact. And sometimes less budget can actually do that better because you have to think about, well, how can I do this creatively? And it's at the end of the day, it's all about just showing that you know how to create that emotional impact and you know how to tell a story. And there is still hesitant uh, or hesitation towards that on some in this industry because they feel like, oh, you need to have this, this certain camera and this certain lights. But I, you know, I don't really agree to that to a certain extent because as long as you know how to, to tell a story and to tell a narrative, I would say just do it with the budget that you have. And you can do something really worthwhile on an iPhone. And then I think it's about getting it out there. And if you have a huge social media following, maybe that's the best route for it. But if you're really looking to make legitimate contacts in the industry, and this is what I'm doing too, submit to film festivals. Very competitive. They're getting thousands of submissions for very few slots. But if you find one that fits your niche, you can get in and then you, you, that's exposure and that's credibility. And then you go to these festivals. And now that we're, we're moving away from everything online, you actually go to these events and you meet people. And maybe you meet somebody that works for a big production company that works for Netflix or Hulu, and you could pitch your project to them and maybe they believe in it. And that's how it starts. So it's, it's an industry where there's really, if you had a hundred different professionals here in this industry, they'd probably have a hundred different stories they could tell you, but ultimately it comes down to your talent. It comes down to your work ethic and it comes down to individuals believing in you that can take your career and advance it to the next level. But Marjorie, like you said, I, I agree with you hundred percent create something, show that you can tell a story. What, no, Tommy, ask you a question. What is Suburbanite Productions? I mean, is this why you, I know it's all about production, broadcast and streaming. Is that what made you want to dive in more to start shooting these series for Netflix? Because you're already in the industry and you already have the expertise on the sound quality, shooting, video, pod, um, broadcasting, et cetera. Or was it the other way around? Well, I, I founded Suburbanite Productions in 2009 when I started making that first feature film, which I just referenced at the Jersey Shore. And then I, I'm, you know, I love storytelling. So I love telling stories, whether it's a feature film, a series, or whether I'm telling a marketing video for a dentist. I just love storytelling. So I transferred that skill set to more corporate endeavors a few years after my film came out. Um, but I guess in terms of the name of why I chose it, you know, I'm, I'm from the Jersey suburbs. I really feel like you, where you're from, you shouldn't run away from. You should kind of embrace it. And this is a big part of my life. I'm someone who's still in contact with most of the people I grew up with. And I, you know, that's just who I am. I still have a lot of reverence for my hometown. And it's just a big part of my creative outlook. And I wanted that to be encompassed in my production company and showcase that this is who I am, good, bad, or indifferent. And this is what I have to share with the world. And hopefully there's a lot of other people out there that can relate to it. Even if you come from a city or you come from the farm or you come from a different country, this is my story and hopefully it can relate to you. I love that because it's all about 
changing and sharing the narrative. And we've done a lot. We've touched so many people, especially during COVID. And like, I'm starting to reference COVID less and less now that we're kind of at the end of it. But I think there's so many great stories, the narrative, so many people who use this downtime to be better, to change the story, change the narrative, to embrace who they are, to accept we're all in it together and that nobody's better than anybody else. And I think we've seen so much turmoil you know, either from here, from afar, that I think it's a tremendous opportunity because I'm seeing more things on Netflix and Amazon on the streaming side. I mean, there's some amazing stuff. I have my top favorites that I love binging on, but there's a lot more stories and human nature stories that are coming out right now. I mean, you're seeing more about the biographies and documentaries. People are starting to tell their stories more in these series than just the creative side of it. Oh, 100%. I mean, COVID changed us all. And I don't know about you, but it, it fundamentally changed myself. I mean, in the beginning part of COVID, I thought I was losing my mind. It, you know, I was in an isolated area. It was very terrible weather and it was a struggle. And I really, uh, I'm someone who's suffered with depression and anxiety in the past and it was coming back and it was tough. And I remember just making the choice that hey, you, you can either wallow in your sorrows and everyone's going through this, or you can really try to use this time productively. And that's what I did. I, I, I wrote a lot. I took my health really seriously. I, I started working out the best that I could. And I transferred those things that I learned during COVID and those things that I'm doing on a daily basis, I'm still doing now. And it's just, it's changed my life. It really has. And I feel like even though COVID was such a horrible experience and so many people died and it's, it's such a terrible tragedy, I feel like I learned a tremendous amount about myself, about humanity, about storytelling, and about being productive. And that's what I'm trying to do now. And it really kind of was rooted in March 2020, April 2020, May 2020, when we were in the midst of all this turmoil and chaos. I think what you just said, Tom, is so profound because one of the things I know Sarah and I talk about a lot is how COVID really made the world one. It was such a global tragedy that we all of a sudden got outside of our own bubbles and we started to be like, hey, you know, we're all in this together. And I think that's an important part. Like you're starting to see these world stories. You start to see like, you know, the Amazons and Netflix, et cetera, expanding into South Africa and all sorts of parts to tell these important stories. So what is something that like you're really riveted by, or you're watching right now that you're like, wow, I'm so impressed by this. <laughs> well, <laughs> Uh, it's not something very profound, but I, I'm, I'm watching Cobra Ethically. Kai. I'm watching Cobra <laughs> Kai right now on Netflix and I enjoy I it. it. I, I, I was fun. talking. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a really fun show and they did it really well. And I was actually talking about this with my students, I think just uh, this week or last week, because it holds true to the original ethos of the karate kid that came out in 1984. But at the same time, it's so different. And you have people like mm -hmm. myself in their forties and you have like teenage kids really drawn to this show and it's it's parents and children because it has the ethos of the original 1980s but at the same time they're, they're doing it in such a unique and different way and it's just a, it's just a lot of fun you know i saw power of the dog i thought that was really interesting different type of film but really unique for sure let's see uh, i mean I, i'm watching what are some other things that i've seen recently i'm trying to think 
Can we, can we just, I'm going to interject here. I'm because I mean, I, and I'm agree with Margie. We've done so many great podcasts, but it's all about the changes through COVID. And I feel like when people go through tragedies and dark times, I mean, I feel like how you come out of that, your character is really who you are. And I think more, I feel like COVID, I don't know if I could be wrong on this or off cue on this, what people went through as hard as things were, I think it gave them a sense of profound like value and validation to tell their story, to feel like, hey, this is such a bad situation because you were depressed or you were down or because you were going through your own personal battles. I think it gave a lot of people a sense of confidence. And I saw more bravery out there, more humanitarian efforts of people coming out with their stories to help inspire, motivate others to not give up. And I think it kind of gave everybody a platform to tell their story. And I'm not saying you have to go through something horrible or bad in your life to feel confident, to share your story. Everybody has their own story, but I feel like we've seen more and more stories come to light because there's more people who have similar or the same battles and stories who can be of help to you. And I've always feel like I always say, you know, every time we go through something, you know, always make somebody better when you walk away than when you walk up to them, when you lean, they've got to feel better, more inspired, feel better about themselves. But I'm all about the small acts, random acts of kindness, no matter how big or small, the smallest thing you could say or do could actually have a big impact. You never know what the other person's battling. And I feel like all of this together has given people a better platform to tell their story safely and to share it, whether it's streaming audio podcasts or whatnot. I'm seeing more and more come out of everybody globally now that we all went through the same thing globally. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like you said, it really, it brings us together. It changes our perspective. I think in a way that we understand how connected we are because we're all in this together and we were for two years and it just highlights the importance of narratives because it tells us about ourselves. It tells us about cultures. It tells us about society. It tells us about humanity. And I think this time during COVID really highlighted the importance of those things in our society. And we, you know, when you, you hear people say, Oh, the arts don't matter. You know, I think they matter tremendously. I think it's a huge part of any society and any culture and, for me at least, COVID really highlighted that. And I think that's so true because there was a great quote, you know, it's like when COVID hit, everybody turned to the artists because they turned to binge watching and watching films because if you're home, what are you gonna do? You're gonna play video games that were created by wonderful artists. You're gonna watch movies and TV series. So I do think it did create this value for artists that wasn't there before. And now you're seeing the powerhouses really realizing how much people did that shift from film to streaming. Like there was just mass adoption of streaming. And I think that creates more stories. It creates more ability to make stories because let's face it, filmmaking is not cheap. So you need that, you know, those people really supporting the arts. Sarah, I think you had a question. Let me know. I think my thing is, Kate, you you brought up power of the dog, and I'm going to bring this up because I know it's up for a you know Oscars and stuff, and it's all over. I went with Marjorie to go see the power of the dog, and I don't know you guys since the two of you are 
you know, on have experience on the filmmaking side, you could probably answer this question for me. I don't know if that was shot, created, edited during COVID, which was a very dark time for everybody, because it was a very dark, very dark film. I literally, and I'm just going to say this publicly, guys, I was so freaking bored halfway through that movie. I don't know if I was just having, you know, I was tired in general, but I was so bored and I literally did not even catch the meaning and the point of the whole movie until the movie was over and they had the director, the producer, and one or two actors, Karen Batch was on stage talking. And I looked at Marjorie, I'm like, Oh my God, that was the purpose of the movie. It took <laughs> two and a half hours of like, what is going on? I don't get this. This is boring. I just, I just, I can't follow it. And then literally two words at the very end on stage. And then I'm like, oh, okay. That's the whole concept of the whole movie. It took so long to get to that point. And I know like you guys are laughing, but I talked to Marjorie about this. Like, when did you catch the message and the narrative of this story because it was a dark story and was coming off of COVID. So you got to kind of question is the genre of some of these big movies we're all watching, everybody likes, is that kind of coming off the storytelling of the mentality of the editors, the producers, the directors and writers during COVID or was this the intent? Oh, I, it was based on a book. So if you were familiar with the book, you would know that it is a very character driven and I thought Jane did a great job of the character. And, you know, it was slow, but it wasn't a fast paced story. And I think sometimes we get so used to everything having to move fast that we forget that some movies, some stories need to move slow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we are at the same time, even though that came from a book, you know, throughout history and especially in American culture, you see how art is a representation of what's going on in society. And I think that also plays a big part in a lot of these this dark content that's coming out right now, because how can you not as an artist be affected by what's going on? It's definitely going to come out in what you're writing and what you're directing and the stories that you're trying to tell, either in a way that is reflective in a dark way or in a way that is kind of a complete opposite of what is going on in society. And you're trying to just do escapism. And that's kind of what Cobra Kai is for me. It's It's really like an escapism from all the chaos that's happening in society. Interesting. What, Tom, what three, like what film producer or, you know, something within the film genre really inspired you or that continues to inspire you to want to make more films and share your story? Like what uh, filmmakers really inspire me throughout my career? Yeah, was, was it a film that you saw? Is it a, sp a specific filmmaker? Like what's inspiring you right now to create and produce these films? Well, that's yeah, that's a great question. In terms of how I started, I really think my favorite film of all time is is Rocky, the first Rocky, because it's just such an American story. I'm Italian-American, and that is just such a, a story that highlights Italian-American culture, I think, in a very positive way. And it just showcases kind of the ethos of American culture in a very entertaining way. And I really love that film. And that was really a highlight of all my childhood, watching all those films. And that kind of inspired me to get into storytelling. And Sylvester Stallone's story is so magnetic in terms of how he wasn't originally going to be the, the Rocky character. They were going to put like Ryan O'Neill or Burt Reynolds, and he held out and it changed his life. And that's part of the ethos of that particular story. In terms of right now, it's just 
you know, I just love storytelling and I love bringing things to light and making an impact on an audience. And I just want to just showcase things in a very unique way and put my own perspective on it. And it's both, you know, I'm really about kind of realism in what I'm showcasing, but finding the truth and the beauty in that realism. So yeah, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world, but at the same time, you can still find moments of truth and of encouragement and of hope, but it has to be grounded in reality. And that's really what I'm trying to do in the narratives that I'm telling is just showcasing the world in a realistic way, but in a hopeful way. When can we see or look for any of your latest works? I mean, as you're working on filming or are you, do you have things currently coming out that we could look forward to? Sure. I, well, I have one of the episodes. It's like a web episode of the American Benefactor that I did, as we were just talking about before, I essentially did it with no budget. I just got my friends involved that I, you know, being in the industry this long in New York and New Jersey, I know a lot of people. I got a great crew and cast on board and we filmed it on the weekends in our spare time with essentially no budget. And that's on my YouTube channel, Tom Benti Media. If you look down, you can see the American Benefactor. And what I'm doing with that project is I have that one episode up online on YouTube. And then I was able to film another episode and they, each one is about seven minutes in length. So it's total about 13 or 14 minutes. And then with the second one and the first one, I'm submitting to different film festivals. And now that things are opening up and we're moving into actually live person events, I'm hoping I get into some more web webisode film festivals and I can use it as a platform to tell the story further and pitch to potential production companies. And I also have a pitch video for that project on my YouTube channel. And I also have a full pitch deck that I've, I've worked on as well. The other one is called the Cafone. And that's, a, like I said, a dark comedy. And I'm submitting that to film festivals. We already got into a bunch of really good ones. New York City TV Film Festival, uh, Studio City Film Festival in California. But unfortunately, it was all during COVID. So everything was online. And that's, like I said, a dark comedy. And there's a pitch video for that project on my YouTube channel as well. And then the whisper from within, we have the script is complete. I got really high marks from uh, legitimate script services in LA. And, you know, I have a pitch deck for that as well. And I'm just trying to find funding for it or potentially a co-production. And hopefully we can make that soon. But I think with the Cafone, I was talking to the executive producer and we might be looking to film another episode in the, uh, the, the summer or fall. So that'll be exciting. And then we can submit that to different film festivals and have both episodes as a way to kind of pitch the project. A tremendous job, Tom. Looking forward to seeing all of this. Marjorie, I want to ask you a question, like actually for both you and Tom, what is the single hardest thing you guys are finding when it comes to producing your own films? I'm going to say Screen Actors Guild because I find their requirements extremely onerous. And I shot during COVID and it, it's really hard because you want to shoot union. You want to be supportive of a union. But I, I found that to be very restricted. Even the actors weren't that happy with their processes. So that has been the biggest thorn in my side. What about you, Tom? I'm a member of SAG-AFTRA and, uh, I like the union, but I, I see what you're saying. I, I haven't had that terrible experience with it. In 20 years, I think the the hardest thing for me is just, I, you know, even though I'm really, I think I'm good at networking and meeting a lot of people, it's, I haven't had that many opportunities where I could actually get in the door. And I think if I had that, those opportunities, I think I can really take these projects to the next level. 
but that's, that's been the hardest thing for me. And I'm sure a lot of people out there as well, is just really meeting the right people. I've met a lot of people, a lot of great people, but they weren't the, in the position to kind of take the, the projects to the next level. And I think that's been a very big struggle for me. And as I'm sure it's a lot of, for a lot of folks out there. Yeah. What are some of the best ways? I mean, cause that's a big issue here. There's so many people trying to get in the door to get their story told, you know, and I'm just going to kind of divert this one to Marjorie since she's, you know, working in that as well. Marjorie, what is the best way for people you know, I mean, you don't have to be members of the academies. You don't have to be that entrenched, but you have to know how. And it's been hard during COVID. So I'm going to say offices were shut down. It's hard. But coming out of COVID, coming back into live events, a little bit back to normal. But offices are still not open. They're still in a hybrid. They may not go back. What's the best advice to get in front of the people and get your story told to the right people to run it at the flagpole for streaming studios or on broadcast, Margie, do you have a good answer or can you help define how that goes? I think Tom said this well earlier. Like I have always been a fan of like the fan, the film festivals and meeting people in person and not having that for two years really was a bummer. And I did, I just went to a film festival a few weeks ago, the Golden State Film Festival uh, run by Peter Green. And it was just so nice. It was like at the Man's Chinese Theater. It was just so nice to see people again and meet and mingle because, you know, everyone there, you know, is passionate about film or TV. You know, they, w- they want to make it. And then there's a lot of, you know, executives who go to that because they're always trying to find new things. Like I have a friend friend in tv development and she's like it's not that we like reject people all the time we want to we want to say yes we really do want to say yes but it has to be the right project for our company and often people just pitch any project and don't do their research so you really know everybody's like i want to pitch this to netflix or hulu etc but you know there's other production companies that would help you get in the door you just have to do your research and I think people need to do the research and then also get out and mingle at film festivals so you've got to play I mean we I'm not a film producer but I've had a lot of film clients and we've done the whole walker stalker the whole horror stuff we have I had for some reason, all of my film clients were all in the horror genre. And that is the one genre that I cannot watch in stomach, <laughs> which is funny because I know Marjorie loves that genre and has stuff in that genre. I just got to keep my eyes closed on some of the gory parts. So I, it, it is about just submitting to everything you can. I feel, and I could be wrong, that most, there's a lot of really good festivals out there, but there are a lot in California. So Tom, you do need to look at the California festivals. There's so many out here, but it's kind of when we talk to about actors, you know, they're, they're chasing down the next big casting call, the movie. They just think we're going to do it. We're going to do it. They get in their forties, fifties. They're still working at baristas at Starbucks or picking up odd jobs or on couches. Cause they're just so like mind blown, like that big, big break it's coming it's coming and they keep chasing it and I have some friends who've done very well but they're getting to that point where god we're getting to our late 30s early 40s we've got to get an actual career job we just can't keep chasing down casting calls and not having a serious job and making the money we need and then I know one or two friends who right as they were trying to make that decision to say acting is not for me I've given my best they found an amazing 
series and then it kind of blew them up or they went the commercial route. But I think it's a big issue that I've heard from friends that are in acting. When is enough enough? Like on the film producer side, how much money like do you keep putting into producing films and keep chasing down a series in Netflix or a studio till you finally say, okay, you know what? This is a great platform to tell my story, to show how creative, how good I am, but we have to accept that I'm not going to be the next Spielberg or, you know, the next big avatar movie. Is there a point? This is more of a mental thing with everybody that you guys could talk about to where you just got to kind of look at how far can you go and do you go before you have to accept that, this is what it takes to get into the film industry. Is it a hobby at that point? Or is it still you pursue it until the end as far as you can while you can still film and shoot? Yeah, no, that's a great question. That's a definitely a great question. That's very unique, I think, for every artist out there. It's a very personal question. And for me, I was able, like I said, to translate my passion for storytelling to corporate projects. So I'm a small business owner. I own my own company. I have a flexible schedule for the most part. I'm also an adjunct professor at universities in New Jersey. So I am able to still have that flexibility and still go on auditions, which I'm doing currently, and still work on my projects, which I'm doing currently, and able to support and sustain myself. So I saw that I didn't want to be a waiter or a barista in my 30s and 40s. And I took the route where I can still share my passion for storytelling and actually make consistent income with it. And at the same time, pursue kind of my passion projects. I have a perspective too, where, you know, I have a friend who's a writer had sold things like 20 years ago and then hadn't sold anything in a long time. And then got like recently a project picked up. So I think if you're a creative a writer, an actor, producer, director, whatever, it's always in you. It's, it's something you always want to do. You may get sidelined or sidetracked, but if this is something you can do, that is what you will always choose to do. So it's perseverance. It's never giving up and always keep your inspiration going. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like, wait, Marjorie, what, what particular producer or film inspired you to create the genres because you're doing only horror genres, right? Thrillers. I mean, I'm a big fan of Sam Raimi from the original Evil Dead. So, I mean, if you think of that and you go back to the history of that, I mean, basically Bruce Campbell convinces parents to take a mortgage out, a second mortgage on their house. I mean, everything that people did to make that film happen is what I feel filmmaking is about everybody sacrificed so much for this independent student film that then, you know, 40 years later, they're still making movies. They're still making TV shows. They're still. And I think it was because there was just so much passion. So that's really one that, you know, I always go back to. It's about passion. It's about perseverance. Yeah, no, I get it. I just don't think I'm a a horror genre fan so guys so we had this yeah. client back and them, and they did this movie lasso so we were up at pre-covid walker stalker doing you know the stage and the whole nine yards taking it out and there was this one scene and i'm just going to say because the movie's out where it was a rodeo gone bad so the bus broke down and a bunch of people got stuck at the rodeo but they keep you know how they keep 
the animals underground. They bring them up, you know, when it's rodeo time. They kept the humans, the people underground, caged up and brought them up. And they were the animals in the rodeo that they were roping, you know. And I just, this is one gory scene. I'm just going to say it. Marjorie will appreciate it because she loves the horror stuff where the two evil guys, rodeo guys and the horses, each roped her arms and just went in different directions. And it was all about escaping the rodeo. It was the most evil, diabolical movie and thematic of human life. I mean, I realized at that point, I will never be a horror genre fan. I, I just, I can't do it. But like, I do get it because this is somebody who the client at the time was so passionate about filming and doing these series of horrors. So I get the tenacity. I get the drive to produce the genre that you love and you could breathe and tell your story into. I'm just saying for the record, if the two of you decide to do another horror genre, I will support you from the red carpet, but I will not watch the movie. Tom, real quickly, (laughs) tell me, Suburban Night Productions for everybody out there. There's so many people doing films on the side using technology and the digital that they have to do this. I love that you're doing this. I mean, I love that you and Marjorie are both have your purpose, the intent to do what you're good at, but you're also on the side producing where your passion is. What is Suburbanite Productions? What exactly do they do? We're basically handle all aspects of production. So I think where we excel is that I know visual content and I know how to tell stories really well. I, I whether, like I said, I'm working with a restaurant, a bar or feature film or series, like I really understand how to put those images together and, and get an emotional impact and make it entertaining and interesting and have a hit and message with it. That's important is ha- showcasing the brand values in that content. So I work with clients. I understand who they are. I sit down with them. I learn about their business. I learn about their history. I learn about what makes them unique. And then I translate that into a compelling script I'm a great writer. And then from that script, once we agree on that, I go and I film the projects. So I'm not a a great cinematographer, but I know how to work a camera. I know how to edit. I know how to do sound design. And I've I've learned these things throughout the years. And it's it's you know, when I first started, I was kind of technically adverse because I was so afraid of of technology, but I just put the time in and I learned how to edit. I learned how to shoot a camera. I learned how to incorporate lighting and things like this. And it's just helped me. And I, I enjoy it now from being scared of technology. Now I really embrace it. And it's all part of the storytelling process. So it's not just about having a great script, which I'm, you know, I know how to write a great script. It's about translating that into a visual story that can really make an impact on an audience, whether it's a narrative series or film, or whether it's a, a marketing video for a small business or a big corporation. Do you collab with other film producers? I do. Yeah, I, I have a team that I work with pretty consistently in New York and New Jersey. I have great cinematographers. I have great sound recordists. I have great uh, motion graphics artists that I work with. I have a ton of actors that I know throughout my um, career. And it's just a great community. There was a film festival in New Jersey a couple of weeks ago, Garden State Film Festival in Asbury Park, which is like a real hip area. Met all these people that I've been uh, working with for the last two decades. And it's just so great to see everyone and see what they're working on and collaborate and and talk and reminisce and talk about the future. And I think that's a big part of it is just having that camaraderie with like-minded artists and professionals like yourself and building that community 
of artists that can really just come together and work together and they can call me if they need help with any projects and I can call them. And it's, it's really just a great community of professionals that I've been lucky enough to work with for the last several decades now. That's amazing. I we're running out of time, but Tom, I loved having you on. I actually just, I love this podcast more than some of the other ones because I love that you and Marjorie both have such a direct connection of what you guys are doing on the film producing side. We don't have a lot of film producers on the show because I'm not one, but it's so good that Marjorie's my co-host and she understands and like exactly where the story is going on this and the narrative. So I'm so glad I got both of you on this one. Oh, thanks so much, Sarah. Yeah, I really enjoyed being on your podcast. I love listening to the episodes and it's really just about passion. Just bringing that passion to what you do, your creative outlook and just telling just, for me, it's just telling those human stories. Well, that's why we have podcasts. That's why you like, you have your podcast as well, which I love like, cause for us, I'm a PR firm. So we just needed another platform to have people like you to tell your story that inspires and motivates other it's nobody thinks about how do I tell my story? We need the narrative, but where do I tell it? And it's not just one well, to hire this or I need to do this or write a book or put money in. This is why I love the beauty of podcasts. The more people you talk to, the more the different perceptions you get, like I perceive certain things differently. I have guests on, right. And that perception is reality for a lot of people, but it's so good to like stand back and really get a different perception of what's going on from tech entertainment, like people like you that are going through their own thing, telling their narrative, producing stories. And like, this is kind of also why I wanted to say I roped Marjorie in as my co-host, but I think she saw that coming a long time ago when we started, but it's like, we just had such amazing conversations with people. And it's, I love that we could tell our story, no fear, no filter, and really have a safe place to talk about what we want and what inspires us and how do we use that to inspire others to be better every day. I agree 100%. I agree 100%. It's just, it's about putting yourself out there in the world and making those connections. Yeah, it was so good having you on, Tom. Marjorie, I'm so glad you were able to pop on and co-host this one with us. Oh, thanks so much, Tom. It has been so great meeting you. And as I say, you know, persevere on, man. It's all you can do and it's going to pop. Thanks. Yeah, you you as well. That's the best advice you can give anyone is just keep rolling. Keep rolling. Well, I'm a huge supporter of both you indie filmmakers. So, Tom, keep us posted as you start rolling out films and everything. And then, you know, we'll catch up with you soon because I really want to hear how these once you get these submitted to the festivals, I mean, we want to see the work you've done as well. So keep us posted on that. But until then, this is Sarah Miller with Media Mavis Podcast with Marjorie DeHay, Tom Benty. And the best place to reach Tom is Cybernate Productions. Or is there a better place for anybody to reach you? At Tom Benty Media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook is also a great place where you can uh, watch everything that I'm doing. And it's B-E-N-T-E-Y. Yes. Tom Benty. Guys, thank you so much for the podcast. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.